Of our way to Bex this morning. I'll start that again then. Welcome to our harvest service this morning. And may I give a special welcome to uh, some visitors here from South Africa, Ray Wilson's daughter and son-in-law. Very welcome uh, amongst us this morning. Uh, tonight, there's the harvest Six. It's a harvest service at half past six, and we're looking forward to hearing um, from Margaret about Storehouse, and also uh, to hear the Donegadee uh, Male Voice Choir. So we're looking forward to that this evening. Um, it's great to see the amount of stuff that's coming in for Storehouse. Please keep it coming, and uh, uh, that non-perishables, obviously, uh, during this time of COVID. Just like to thank everybody as well who has decorated the place. As you know, with COVID, it's not as we're not allowed to do it as much as normal. Uh, so uh, it's lovely to see just what has been done, which has been uh, just lifted the place. And Rini has done a special banner. Make sure you have we look at it on the way out uh, in the vestibule. So thanks to everyone who, who did a tremendous job decorating the church. Um, let me see, a couple of announcements here as well. Um, the Kirk Session will meet on Tuesday, this Tuesday night, uh, 11th, of, 11th of October at half past seven. Communicant classes, please sign up today. If you want to become a new communicant or you're interested and you're thinking about that or you want to refresh your course on communion, it'll start on Wednesday, this Wednesday, 12th of October at half past seven in the church. Um, also, uh, as I said last week, where I'm doing a wee fridge fryer, is what I'm calling it, uh, each week that uh, you can stick on your fridge and there are some of the, the passages and even a few more that, were, that, that have been used in the sermon this morning and a couple of questions just to help you think things through during the week. Um, also, as you know, there's a Harvest Supper on Friday the 20th of October, and I'd like to ask Pat Woods uh, if Pat would like to come up and say a wee few words about that. Good morning, everyone. I agree with Mark. To see all the harvest trimmings around the church, and amazing to see the trolleys out there for house. Shite? All right. Still not on? Oh, it is. Right, that's thrown me. Okay, I'm sure like me too, you're looking forward to this evening, but I want to invite you to another harvest event. Not happening today. It's happening on Friday the 28th of October. The mission team will be hosting a harvest supper to which you're all very warmly invited. Many of you will already know that Tom and Evelyn have just returned from an amazing visit to Peru when they had the chance to visit the children's homes which we support in Arequipa. On the Friday evening, they will give us an update. God has blessed that work, which you have also generously supported. And they will also tell us about the continuing needs that they saw when they were on their visit. Tom gave those of us who are on the mission team flavour of their experiences as they were travelling by sending us some photographs and, and comments as they went. And I can promise you that you'll have a really inspiring and encouraging evening. 
This will be an opportunity for us to meet as a church family, to give thanks and to have fellowship. And of course, it's Ballycrocken, so we'll have supper together. There are no tickets for the event. <clears throat> Sorry, there are no admission charge either. All we ask is that you let us know that you're coming so that we can cater for the supper. There will be seats in the vestibule after the service, and I would ask you to sign up to those. If you do want to support the work in Arequipa, um, you can make a donation on the night or before or after if you can't come that evening. So I do hope that we'll see you all there. And I just want to thank you in advance from everyone on the mission team. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pat. That should be a tremendous evening. Looking forward to that. Um, just want to start the service by reading a couple of verses as we just come and settle our hearts before God. Psalm 5, verses 1 to 3. It's a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have a God who listens. We have a God who is interested in every detail of our lives, interested in every slip up and every mistake, interested in lifting us to our feet again, interested in giving us forgiveness and restoring relationship. And Lord, as we come this morning, we pray, forgive our sins, forgive our feelings. And Lord, draw us close to you. We cry out to you in the morning. We cry out, Lord, this morning to you that you would meet with us. Lord, we come with expectation. We come with expectancy that you would come and move in us from seat to seat, heart to heart. You know the needs. You know the cares. You know what, what people are facing in their lives. Come and meet with us and may you be glorified. May you be lifted high. And as we worship you and in spirit and in truth, may you draw us, Lord, to your feet. May you draw us to, your, to yourself. And we ask these things in the name of your beautiful Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand and we'll sing for the fruits of his creation.
just, just before Ben comes to uh, do the children's address, uh, do you remember, I think it was last April or May, when I give you little pots with sunflower seeds in them and some of the kids took them away and some of the adults were actually phoning me and saying, could we have some? So we've got, uh, you could say, three entries. And I want to show you them, first of all. Uh, let me have a wee look here. Okay, this is from Kim's Fitzsimons. And her sunflower went over to over six feet in height. Then we have another one uh, from Emily Blaney, and hers went to five feet in height. <laughs> and then we have one here from Joan Armstrong, and his, his went to six feet, six inches. <laughs> so that's, that's some sunflower. Uh, but I was thinking about it, I was talking to that man, John, as a Titchmarsh, and he, I was asking him, you know, what's his opinion, Who do you, which sunflower is the best? And he said, I think all of them deserve a prize. So I've got three prizes here, okay, no expense spurred at all. So, John, if you want to come up and get your water can, that's for next year. <laughs> and then Kim and Emily, if Emily's here, or Grand is here, Kim, there you go, congratulations, congratulations. Okay, so we'll have to think up for something for next year then. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to hand over to Ben, who's going to do uh, his children's address. I'm a bit worried. Let's see. Hello. There we go. We're all good. Okay, boys and girls, do you want to come join me up at the front? Do you have any boys and girls? Give you a few seconds. Do you want to come on up? I won't bite. Look at this inviting food. Anyone else? Just three? Well, that'll work. Laura, you can become a boy and girl for this. Okay, so as you may know from me introducing myself, I did law at university, so I love a good debate. I'm going to let you share in that, because we're going to do a little walking debate. So I'm going to say a statement, and if you agree with it, you're going to go to this side of the room, and if you disagree, you're going to go to this side of the room. All right, so here's the first one. It's a toughie. Chocolate is better than crisps. So if you think chocolate's better, walk to that side of the room. And if you think crisps are better, walk to that side. Come on, chocolate this side, crisps that side. <laughs> really? I must say, I would personally say crisps because chocolate gets a bit sickening. Would anyone agree? No? <laughs> Whoa, I'm in the minority. Okay, here's the second one, a bit healthier. Apples are nicer than oranges. So if you think apples are better, stay where you are. If you think oranges are better, come over here. Oh, think apples? I would agree with you this time. Oranges, you have to peel the skin, and it's just a bit annoying. Right, now I saved the controversial one for last. Now, sorry, mums and dads, if this causes a bit of strife at home. Mummy is a better cook than daddy. 
So, if you think mummy's a better cook, stay where you are. If you think your daddy's a better cook, go to this side. Oh, sorry dads. <laughs> well, I can represent the dads because my dad's a great cook because he's retired, so he has more time for it. So, that's amazing. Do you want to come join me in the middle? Come on. You can take away seat. It's very comfy. So, boys and girls, do you know what day it is today? What day is it? It is a Sunday. Do you know what special Sunday it is? We is not listening to Mark at the start. <laughs> Listen to that, Mark. They're not listening. It is Harvest Sunday today. And you might be thinking, what's harvest? Well, harvest is a great time of year. Look at all these decorations. Look behind you at that beautiful fruit. It's a time when we celebrate the blessing of food and God's provision. So you see, food, as we know, is such a blessing. Do you like food? Yes? Who doesn't like food? Anyone not like food? No, I thought not. Yes, that's why we were talking about food in our little debates. You see, we're in Northern Ireland are very fortunate with the food that we have. We are very blessed. We have so much. And food is a really good thing. The Bible talks a lot about food. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 3, he says, They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. That word rejoice means to take joy in, to be really happy about so it's easy to be happy and joyful about food, about the harvest, just as we are. Now, as we know, God also provides for his people. And that's why we're so blessed and it's so amazing. Um, and he does this throughout the Bible. In Philippians, Paul says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God's a God who wants to provide for his people. Now, unfortunately, as we know, this world is broken. So unfortunately, there's people who aren't as privileged as we are and who don't have as much food in countries across the world. So does God just not care about them? No, God really cares about those people. In fact, he cares that much that he instructs his people to look after those who can't look after themselves. In the Old Testament, he tells his people to leave some of their harvest for the poor people. In the New Testament, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.18, we're to be generous and ready to share. And that can be very difficult, even for us big adults, very difficult to do. But it's because God gave us so much in giving us his son Jesus that we're to be like God, to be like Jesus, and to give others what they don't have. But not only at harvest do we celebrate physical food and God's provision, but we also look at the deeper meaning now, it's quite funny because it turns out me and Mark are talking about the same passage. We didn't do this in sync, so I might give you a bit of a spoiler, folks, for later. But have any of you boys and girls, or should I say just girls, there's no boys here, heard of a parable? No? Well, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus used them a lot in the New Testament. And in Matthew 13, he tells a parable about a sower. That's someone who sows seeds, just like Kim and you did, Emily, as well, and John, and making those beautiful sunflowers. So in Matthew 13, there's a farmer, and he's got seed, and he goes like, and he throws the seed all over the place. It goes everywhere. Some of it, it lands on hard ground and doesn't grow at all. Others, maybe they land in the soil and grow a little, but stop after a while. But other seeds... They grow up into these big, beautiful sunflowers, almost as beautiful as your sunflower was, Emily, up on the screen. And you see, that story represents our work as Christians, because the seed is the words of Jesus, the gospel. 
And we are to be like the farmer scattering that seed, telling people about Jesus. Are any of you here a farmer? I didn't think so. We're too posh here in Bangor to be farmers, aren't we? There might be a few of you, but yeah. So we're to be like the farmers, throwing that seed to anyone we can, telling people about Jesus. And what that does is it'll take root, not in soil, but in their hearts. Now, they're not going to turn into literal plants. That would be weird but cool, I think, if people turned into plants. But instead what happens is that we as humans on the inside, unfortunately all of us are a wee bit ugly on the inside. You see, all of us, all of us mess up and do bad things right from when we're we, right up to when we're old. So on the inside, we wouldn't really want people to see that. It doesn't look very nice. But if we trust in Jesus... Over time, he helps us on the inside to grow into the equivalent of a beautiful flower, a beautiful tree, which bears much fruit. And on the inside, we begin to look more like Jesus, and it just looks beautiful for people to see. So at harvest, not only do we celebrate that God gives us food that he provides, but that when we trust in him, he'll help us on the inside to grow more like Jesus and look more like beautiful flowers and trees and we'll never be perfect still sometimes we do things we shouldn't but over time we look more and more like jesus and that's just amazing so thank you very much and i think we're going to sing now aren't we yes we're going to sing so you can sit down back with your mums and dads god who made the earth we're going to stand and worship god with our second hymn and girls want to go out to Sunday club or Bible class uh, then there's also a crash just over here on my left go through that door and it's in on the left so just pray a moment before Adrian Jordan is going to come and pray in a moment we just want to dedicate our offering this morning 
uh, to God. Father, we thank you so much for all your goodness to us. And Lord, it's a delight to be able to hand back and give you uh, a portion of what you've given us. Um, Lord, not just financially, um, but also with supply of food, but also, Lord, with our hearts and our lives and tell you that we love you and tell you, Lord, that our hearts are yours and we surrender those to you also. Amen. So I'm going to ask Adrian to come and she's going to do the intercession for us. Our Heavenly Father and Eternal Creator, we pray for our world this morning. A world which you created in peace, abundance, and perfection. We are amazed by its natural wonders. Your wonderful design from the magnitude of many universes to a world so immensely small. See in it with scope. A world full of resources and riches. Your creation. And yet there are many things in this world which bring heartache and grief to your heart as to ours. There are many, too many. People, animals without enough to eat, without a home to live in. Lord, open the eyes and ears of those in power. Open their hearts to share from the abundance of their resources. We pray for those countries in conflict, especially Ukraine, and so many others facing unrest. Iran, Haiti. We pray for a harvest of peace and justice in every land. Lord, we pray for politicians in all countries, that they would care for the poor and vulnerable rather than the rich and influential. Lord, we pray to you, we bring to you our ill, we lift up to you our hospitals, nurses, doctors, ancillary staff, and patients. And we bring to you those whom we know in need of healing. Lord, we ask for a harvest of care and healing of body and mind in this country. We pray for all who are fearful of the months ahead afraid of financial insufficiency. We pray for generosity from those who have. And we thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And in a few moments of quietness, please bring to the Lord those whom you know are in any need or care.
Our Father, we pray for your church in the world, more especially here in Ballycrocken. Give wisdom to all who make decisions. Give each of us generous and loving hearts. Grant us a harvest of your grace. Lord, thank you that you hear us when we pray. Whether we speak out loud or hold our prayers within, you listen and you answer. Thank you for your harvest of blessing in each of our lives. And we pray that you help us to share everything we have with others. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Adrian. Um, let's stand and let's sing We Plow the Fields and Scatter.
John Armstrong now to come and do our reading for us. Thanks, John. The reading is from Matthew 13, verses 1 to 9, and then 18 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. As crowds gathered round him, he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow, but then when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty, thirty times what was sown. Jesus said to them, whoever has ears, let them hear. And then in 18 to 23, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When, he, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which was sown in their heart. This refers to the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Thanks be to God for his word. Thank you, John. Let's pray a wee moment. <clears throat> reassuring that, that even your son had to explain a bit to the disciples, Lord, of what this parable meant. And we pray, Lord, that, that by your Holy Spirit you might uh, help us to, to see and recognize our own hearts, recognize what Jesus is saying about our own, uh, our own lives and what we store up uh, in our hearts. That you give us all insight this morning. Draw us closer to Jesus. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as, as you know, we're looking at, at prayer over the next number of weeks. We'll be doing that in the discipleship or the home groups. Um, our relationship involves both speaking and listening. And likewise, with prayer, it involves speaking and listening. And it's important, therefore, that we know how to receive from God what he has to say to us. And in receiving, 
allowing his word to affect our thinking, to affect our attitudes, to affect how we live our lives. I had good neighbours when I was growing up in East Belfast. Uh, as a young teenager with my next door neighbour on the right hand side, uh, he gave me a tomato plant one summer and I was all chuffed with that. I started to grow the tomato plant. I was so pleased that I started to dig up all my dad's garden with uh, grew potatoes and radishes and shallots and uh, lettuce and all sorts of things and went around the, the homes selling them. <laughs> so it was fascinating. I just found it really fascinating how a little tiny, tiny seed could produce an incredible plant and some so much fruit or vegetables from it. Well, my other neighbour on the other side, he was a man from Castle Derg and he, uh, he, he had a farming background and he was a great gardener. And he taught me how important it was to create a good mix of soil. A little bit of soil, a little bit of compost, a little bit of sand, you mix them up. And I'm not a farmer, but I know that the growth of a plant's not just dependent on the weather, but it's a lot to do with the condition of the land. And in this parable, Jesus takes three tangible examples, the birds, the stones, and the thorns, three enemies of the farmer, and he uses them in a way which illustrates the condition of our own hearts. We're told that Jesus leaves the house and he sits down by the sea. Uh, so picturesque. So many people come to him. We're told multitudes. One multitude is about 150. So we're told multitudes. So there was at least 300 people around him. And he's actually been pushed back almost into the sea. So what he does is a little boat anchored offshore. So he pulls the boat in, stands in the boat, and teaches them, sits down, as Jews did, the rabbis taught sitting, rather than standing, sat in the boat and started to teach. And he says, behold, the sower went out to sow. It's quite a picturesque scene that Jesus paints. You know, one that everyone there is familiar with. Most people in Palestine had their own wee patch or were farmers. And uh, it's quite possible that Jesus is able to look over at the hills and see a farmer perhaps gently throwing out down the seed over his field. Behold, the sower went out to sow. But picturesque as the scene may be, Jesus points out that there's a battle going on the moment the seed hits the soil. A battle for the life of the seed. And Jesus compares four types of soil with four heart conditions. There's the hard heart, there's the shallow heart, there's the strangled heart, and there's the prepared heart. So it's those hearts I want to look at this morning. And probably if we're honest, we could admit to having all four at some point and a mixture of all four. But I want you to think about what is, what is my heart? Like, you know, which one is the one I can identify with the most? So the hard heart. Let's have a look at the hard heart. We're told in verse 4, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. Now, the wayside was the hard piece at the edge of the field, that path that the farmer would walk on, that compacted piece of soil, which over time, as the farmer walks on it, becomes so, so hard and difficult to penetrate. And so when the seed goes out onto this hard piece of land, it just lies on the surface. And it's completely visible to any birds that are flying overhead 
And Jesus says, the birds come down and they see all the seed and they start to eat it and take it away. And Jesus compares this with a heart which is closed to God. Now, some folk, when they hear Jesus say that he's the power to forgive sins, their heart tightens a wee bit further. Or when they see him heal someone on the Sabbath, their heart tightens further still. Or when he goes and sits with people who are sinners and his friends of sinners, their hearts tighten even harder. And the more they get to hear Jesus, these people's hearts, their hearts harden. And we're told that uh, Satan comes like the birds and takes the seed away. Now, basically, when you have a hard heart, a heart that's closed to God, then you're unable to receive the life-giving words that Jesus is sowing. They hit a hard surface on your heart, and before you know it, they're taken away by distracted looking or thinking about something else. They don't penetrate And I wonder, does that describe your heart this morning? You're antagonistic towards some of the things which Jesus says. You're happy to accept some of his teachings, the things that make you feel really good and cared for. But teaching about sin, perhaps, teaching about repentance, some of his teaching, which if it's lived out as an inconvenience for you, You sort of feel like saying, how dare he? How dare he? But that's that's the closed, the hard heart. Now, the second heart that Jesus speaks of is the shallow heart. Verse 5, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. Now, when I started growing these tomato plants, and I I thought it was great, uh, I haven't kept it up, mind you, but um, back then when I was just a teenager, I thought this is tremendous. I took one down to my granny. She lived in Tal House at that time in a nursing home um, off the Knock Road. And I remember I gave her a tomato plant and I went back shortly after it, like only about a week or two. And her plant had gone towards the ceiling. It, was, it had just shot up with the heat in her room, in the nursing room. It just, it just headed for the ceiling and much, much bigger, two or three times bigger than my plants at home. Um, But of course, my granny's plant, it was very thin, and its roots were were nowhere near deep enough to hold the size of the plant. So it wasn't going to do, I knew it was going to die. Something similar to the seed that falls on stony ground, because it can't get its roots down into the soil, instead of growing down, it grows up, it shoots way up. And uh, when the sun then is at its peak, especially in Israel in the heat of the day, when the sun's at its peak, the intense heat simply scorches the plant. And because it has no depth, it has very little access to any water, and it just shrivels up and it dies. Jesus compares this to men and women who receive the seed of the word of God and are excited about it. You know, they grew very quickly in their faith. Yet, due to a lack of depth and due to a lack of consistent sustenance and refreshment, the excitement 
only lasts for a short time because there's not enough root. That's why it's so important to, to get your roots into the Word of God and get into understanding what God is wanting for you in your life through the Word of God, and it's important even in a home group or a fellowship where you can be yourself and learn and grow. You know, someone like this who's all excited at the beginning and then just because there's no depth, because there's no follow-up, because there's no follow-through on it, they start to shrivel up. Their faith begins to shrivel in a short period of time. The strength that they receive from God's promises begin to wane, and the comfort which they receive from God's assurances begin to fade. And what excited them the most no longer is foremost on their minds. They're away onto something else. You know, we all have storms in our life. It's not a matter of if a storm comes. It's when a storm comes. And when the storms of life beat on our door, and when trials test our endurance, when life is cruel as it can be, do we find it hard to stand? The term sometimes used to describe putting away some money for the future is uh, the term nest egg. Heard many, many a time people saying, putting it away, putting so much money away for a wee nest egg in case I need it in the future. We need to be doing the same when it comes to our faith. Investing today in our relationship with Jesus Christ as a nest egg, deepening our faith in him, deepening our relationship with him as a nest egg of faith for times ahead when the storms will hit. Often people, I've found, you know, they really are shaken when something hits, when a storm comes, when a tsunami hits their home. And it's difficult, and it's difficult for all of us, whether we're Christian or not. But it's even more difficult. It's hard when that person then decides, I'd try and put my roots down now. The time to put your roots down is before those trials come and those things hit our lives. The next uh, heart that Jesus describes is the strangled heart. Verse 7, and some, Jesus said, some of the seed fell among thorns. You know, as I was doing this, it sort of struck me, it's important to realize that these, these thorns, they're not in another piece of field. They're the same piece of soil as this new seed. The seed of the Word of God begins to germinate within the heart, and both grow side by side. And we've allowed them to grow side by side. Now, if left unchecked, it's only a matter of time. We know the stronger plant, we know the big thorny bush is eventually going to strangle the life out of this little seedling. And just, I want you to really recognize the danger here. Jesus compares the thorn bush to two things prevalent in all of our lives to a greater or lesser extent. The cares of the world, number one, 
and the deceitfulness of riches. Number two, we can have the seed of the Word of God germinating in our hearts, and right beside it, we allow the seed of the cares of the world to grow and the seed of the deceitfulness of riches to grow, to germinate and to grow within strangling distance of the, the Word that's in our hearts, the Word of God. You know, how easy it is, and I've experienced it, so I talk from experience here, how easy it is to strangle the life of God in our hearts by suffocating God's work and his, and his Word in us as other stuff fills our minds, fills our days, fills our lives, and suddenly we find ourselves in a spiritual wilderness, empty, no sense of the love we had for the Lord, no sense of, of the fire and the passion that was there, because somehow we have allowed this little seedling, the Word of God, which we want to fan into flame and let it rise, but yet right beside it we've allowed other stuff. And some of those things can be legitimate stuff, but we've allowed them, even the cares of the world, to strangle what God is doing in our hearts. You know, there's a distressing picture in the New Testament, and it never fails, no matter how many times I read it, it never fails to amaze me and make me wonder. It's Revelation 3.20, and it's Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I know many people use that as an evangelistic verse, but it's not. It's to the church of Laodicea, the people of God of Laodicea. And Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in. I'll eat with him and I'll, and I'll, and I'll drink with him. And what I'm wondering is, how did Jesus get outside the door in the first place? What has been allowed to slip and what has been the focus in the church of Laodicea so much that suddenly Jesus has been subtly, very subtly, pushed outside till he has to go, excuse me, can you let me in? And that can happen in our own hearts and lives, in the strangled heart, where the Word of God and something that God wants to do in our own hearts and lives, and yes, there can be genuine cares and busyness and concerns and you have those things in your life, and you need to deal with those things, of course you're going to love the people, you're going to care for the people. Those are responsibilities. Some of the responsibilities are things that God has given us. And because we care, and God calls us to care, but we need to make sure that those cares don't strangle what God is doing in our hearts. And it's the hardest thing when you're exhausted, it's the hardest thing when you're ill. It's the hardest thing when you've lost a loved one or you have someone that you're worried sick about in the hospital. It's the hardest thing to stand. But even in weakness, when you come in weakness to God, even in brokenness, 
even with your tears, and you come to Christ and lay it before him and keep allowing that word of God to take root in your heart, that's where your strength will come. It may not be a physical strength, but it'll be a strength of spirit, a strength of soul, a strength and a sense of God's presence with you through those hard times. Don't walk through the hard times on your own. God never meant you to do that. I just put this at the end of this particular point. It's just something that came to me when I thought about Revelation 3.20. And Jesus is knocking at the door. Please, can I come in? May Jesus always be central in our lives. May he always be central in this church. May he never, ever fail like he's an inconvenience. And then there's the, the final, the prepared heart. But others f- fell, other seeds fell on good ground. Verse 8. And my next door neighbor from Castle Dirk said to me, you need a bit of sand, you need a bit of compass, you need a bit of soil, mix it together. In other words, you need to prepare the soil before the seed goes in. And that involves a bit of work, and that involves a bit of discipline. You know, there's a wonderful verse, a very eye-opening, awakening, makes me sit up and think. In Proverbs 24, 30, King Solomon, he writes, I went by the field of the lazy man, and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding, and there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. That man didn't go out purposely to grow weeds and, and mess up the whole field. It's just he did nothing. He didn't do anything. And the good ground Jesus speaks of, it's a prepared ground. It involves a bit of effort, and it involves a bit of work to prepare our hearts likewise to receive the word of God. And it takes discipline and it takes effort to ensure that your heart is ready. How do we prepare? How do we receive the word of God today in such a way that it will benefit us tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the years after that? How do we get it from there to our hearts, to our feet? How do we get it from understanding to heart understanding to walking, affecting our lives, our daily walk? Well, I've just put three wee things, short points together here. First of all, we set aside time to be quiet with God. You know, it's good to pray when you're on the go. And I've often heard people saying, I pray when I'm doing the dishes. I'm praying when I'm out driving the car. I'm praying when I'm doing the washing or whatever. And that's great. But you also need that quiet time with God. You need that time to be quiet before Him. You know, I think we live in a generation which find it hard to handle silence. You know, the television is continually on in the background in the house. The radio is on when you're in your car. You know, when we go for a walk with our headphones on. We see Jesus, though. When we look at Jesus in the Scriptures, we see him 
withdrawing to a quiet place on a regular basis, you know, as a place to pray and a place to listen to what God has to say to him. You know, the lower prayer to just a shopping list, that really devalues prayer, and it makes it incredibly boring. Prayer is more about being in that quiet place with God where he can change our attitudes, where he can change our hearts, our desires, our hopes, our dreams to come in line with his. Often we try to get God's will and bring it in line with ours, but prayer is about being in God's presence and allowing our hearts and our desires and our wills to be brought in line with his. Secondly, uh, recognize the force and accuracy of the Word of God. You know, don't treat it merely as a piece of literature. Treat it as the Word of God, given to us to lead us to the living Word of God, namely Jesus Christ himself. You know, be ready and open to receive what God has to say to you, and beyond this, to encounter Christ. You know, right the whole background of the Old Testament and the New Testament, you have a picture of the cross. That's the background. That's where we're heading. That's our destination. And ultimately, through the cross, leading us to Jesus Christ. You know, in the Old Testament, um, there, in the Word of God, there's the bloodline which runs the whole way through the Old Testament and into the New, which eventually leads us to Calvary and to the cross and to Christ himself. And that's what the Word of God is there to do for you. It's not there for a book like a novel to read. It's there for you to be led Christ. And thirdly, take time to digest the Word of God. Don't read and run. Take time to reflect on how this passage affects you. How does what I've just read impact my life. Think about it. Inwardly digest it. What is God saying to me in this passage? You know, prayer is not a one-way traffic system where we speak and God listens. God also speaks, and it's important that we stop to listen and implement into our lives what he's teaching us from his word. But just finally, Jesus closed with a positive note. He says, But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now, his, her, his harvest, which Jesus speaks of, is a superabundant harvest because the average harvest at that time in history, in that barren desert region of Palestine with its heat and intense heat, it was probably no more than seven or eight times the amount of seed sown. So to produce tenfold, well, that was a good harvest. To produce twentyfold, that's an exceptional harvest. To produce thirty or sixtyfold, well, or a hundredfold, my goodness, the listeners would have been totally shocked with that. What an amazing, unbelievable harvest that would be. Do we want such a harvest in our spiritual lives for us to grow in Christ? 
at such a depth, going deeper and deeper as we know him. And the more we go deeper, the outcome is that we go wider and want to share it with everyone else. We need to go deeper first into God, allow his roots to go into us, allow his word to take root in us. And the outcome of that is, as the Spirit of God moves in our hearts, is that we want to share it more and more. And so we will go wider then. Do we want such a harvest in our own hearts and lives, in our own relationship with Christ? Do we want such a spiritual harvest of souls in Ballycrocken, Presbyterian Church? We live in a secular society, but God doesn't recognize a secular society. God doesn't turn around and say, oh, I can't work in that. I have to wait till the secular society, they lose hope. God can work now in any time, break through into any secular society and into any community and bring a harvest of souls. So just in conclusion, it's important to recognize that each of these examples which Jesus gives, that the hearing isn't the problem. Jesus says in his explanation to the disciples that each of the four hear the word of God. Each of these four hearts, different hearts, they all hear the word of God. The hearing's not the problem. But the difference between the first three the last one, the final one, is the prepared soil, the prepared heart bears fruit. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, it bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It's be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Let's pray. Father, it is mind-boggling how you even want to connect with us. That is incredible. Father, that is amazing. That should be on Sky News. That should be on BBC News, that God wants to meet with us. That is incredible. The God who created the universe the God who set the stars in place, the God who feeds us day by day, the God who puts seeds and brings life out of those seeds, out of a, a dead seed going into the ground, brings life. Lord, that you want to meet with us, that you want to be with us in the good times and the bad. That is amazing. What an amazing God we have. And we thank you. We want to worship you, Lord. We want to just thank you for your care for us over the year, for your love for us every single waking moment. And we just pray, God, that you'd take us on with yourself in, in our own individual relationship with you, but in a corporate relationship that we might move forward with Jesus Christ as the head and the center pin of everything. Amen. I'm going to finish with uh, now thank we all our God.
may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.